time for re-engineering your finances with the founder of CP Weldy Group, Charles Weldy. Time for another podcast. It's Reengineering Your Finances. Walter Storholt here alongside Charles Weldy. This is the show for you if you want to make sure that you've got a great financial plan in place so that you can get to and all the way through your retirement years with some confidence. And Charles is going to help us gain some confidence on today's show with more great knowledge. He is the founder of CP Weldy Group, serving you in the Delaware and Chester County areas with an office in Chad's Ford, PA, on Route 52. Find us online by going to cpweldygroup.com. Dot com. That's cpweldygroup.com. Charles, you ready for another great podcast today? I hope you're doing well. Yeah, I'm doing well, Walter, and I'm ready. All right, let's ready do this. Ready when you are. We're talking about a buzzword, one of these buzzwords in the financial world. And as somebody who's been in the industry for many years, Charles, I know that you've come across your share of buzzwords. And do you have people in your office from time to time kind of saying, hey, what, what does this mean? Or I saw this on the news. What is that? You know, just needing help with navigating some of these uh, industry terms. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, one of the, I guess, key words that I think is misused a lot is the word safety, you know, Mm. and, you know, I find that most people, they look at safety as like, hey, principal protection. I don't want my principal going down. But the reality of it is that, you know, in a world that has rising costs, you need to have rising income. And the only way to create that is with, you know, maybe investments that might not seem to be safe initially, but in the long term, they are safe. So I'll give you an example. Most people would say cash is safer than bonds because cash has very little or no volatility. Bonds are safer than stocks because fixed income has less volatility than stocks. And stocks are the riskiest investment. But if you're going to plan for 20, 30 years of retirement, you need to have some risky assets in your portfolio like stocks. So again, the disconnect is that Maybe safety, principal protection really isn't the right word. Maybe volatility to get an enhanced return so that you're going to be safe and secure in the long term is really a better strategy. Does that make sense? It does make sense. So yeah, there's this this conversation about safety out there. You might hear it referred to as uh, you need to have safe money in your portfolio. You know, that seems to be another way that the buzzword is described. And so we want to try and put this in context if you're a retiree or pre-retiree, some of the conversations that you should have when it comes to safe money. Why do you think so many people have kind of these different definitions of safe money? I mean, why are we getting these different messages of what that really means to folks? Well, I think uh, overall, most people have one portfolio. So they have either a balanced portfolio, a moderate portfolio, a growth portfolio, conservative portfolio. So they look at their investments as all being in one portfolio. And again, I've said it on you know previous podcasts, and I'll say it again. I believe people should have three portfolios. So the safe portfolio, you know, if you want to call principal protection being safe, would be the cash, where hey, you're not going to make a lot of interest income, but you're not going to lose any principal. But there's a fine line between having too much cash and too little cash in that bucket, and everybody's different. Generally speaking, if you talk to a hundred financial advisors probably 99 would say that you should have at least six months worth of living expenses in that now bucket, that cash bucket. So that would be safe, safe for an emergency, safe for something that came up unexpectedly. But again, the downside is that it's not safe from a growth point of view, because even though the principal is not going down, the purchasing power is being diminished unless it's getting 3% plus, which it's not today. 
Does that make sense? It does make sense, yeah. So we have these different definitions of safe money that sort of fly around different reasons for them. So it, it sounds like you're saying most people don't have an accurate understanding of exactly what kind of safety and risk exists in their portfolio. I agree. That's exactly what I'm saying. So then, you know, maybe like to further the conversation along, there's a second bucket called the soon bucket, money that you're going to need sooner rather than later. So instead of having that money all in bonds, which bonds today, Walter, you know, according to my expertise, they're quite volatile. Why? Because they're paying the lowest interest that they've had in the last 25, 30 years. And the interest rates have nowhere to go but up. Now, granted, they're not going to go way up tomorrow. But as interest rates go up, the value of your bond portfolio goes down because bonds and interest rates, bond values and interest rates are indirectly or inversely related. And most people don't know that. They've lived through the 80s and 90s when you were getting 6 7% on bonds and they thought that they were a safe investment. Well, I'm saying today bonds are not safe. Why? Because maybe the components of what make the bonds up aren't all high quality and maybe you have to go out and get less quality bonds to get higher yields. And most people are unaware exactly what's made up in their bond portfolios. So instead of bonds, what I like to see is I like to see fixed income in that middle bucket, that soon bucket, but I like to see fixed income that might have an opportunity to not lose anything. will have a floor of zero. And maybe today with a good investment, you might have a ceiling of maybe four and a half, five percent. So if you can make as high as five and not lose anything and you're pulling money from that investment, for me, that's a good alternative to having your portfolio rather than bonds that can go up, down, stay the same. I like something more certain that when people draw from, they're going to know that the money's going to be there and it's not going to be compromised by any volatility. Yeah, it's helpful information, Charles. Can you maybe give us an example of a client who needed more safety in their portfolio and how you were able to help them out? And I don't know, what, what were they allocated like before they met with you? And then what kind of changes did you make to that plan? All right. So the typical client that comes into me would have maybe a moderate portfolio, which means that they would have 60% of their money in stocks and 40% in fixed income, generally bonds. So they'd have a 60-40 portfolio. And basically, that's what they come in with. What I do is I try to determine like when the money will be needed, how much will be needed, and then I reallocate. So I'll give you an example of a client. So somebody comes in, just to say they had a half a million dollars you know, of investments, $500,000. And uh, I found out that, hey, you know what? Maybe they're going to need a new car within the next like year and a half. Maybe they need you know, $25,000 in their checking savings account as a buffer for six months of living expenses over and above their pension and social security checks. So what I'll do is I might put 50000 of that 500000 in the cash account. Again, it's safe in terms of it's not going to go down. The principal's not going to go down. But it's not really safe in terms of like it's not going to make a fair rate of return because it's not going to get 3% at today's rates. But they're happy because they still have $450,000 left of that 500000 and only 50000 of it's allocated to the now bucket. Follow me so far? Yep, I'm with you. All right, so now they got 450 left. And of the 450, let's just say that they needed $1,000 a month coming in like clockwork to replace you know, monies that they used to make when they were working, but they just needed to subsidize their lifestyle. What I might do in that instance is I might segregate 
a thousand a month times 12 months is twelve thousand dollars a year i'll multiply it by 10 years that's one hundred and twenty thousand dollars and i might just like put in a little buffer for inflation let's call it 30. i'll take a hundred and fifty thousand dollars which is 120 of a thousand dollars a month for 10 years and i'll add thirty thousand for inflation i'll put a hundred and fifty thousand dollars in that soon bucket that middle bucket and it'll be in a type of investment where i know that it won't go down in value the only way it'll go down is when they take money out it can only go up and it's not going to go up a lot walter because i did the math if i know that somebody has to take money out of a portfolio what's important is not the rate of return they make what's important is that they don't lose any principle because once they lose principle and they start taking money out of that account they'll never make it up again so i put it in a conservative investment that makes maybe three percent not much more not much less that money will last 12 years and will give them a thousand a month compounded at three percent a year for up to 12 years and then the later money three hundred thousand left over am i doing the math right they had a half a million, they put 50 in the soon bucket in the cash account, 150 in the bucket that they need to pull from over the next 10 to 12 years. And then they had $300,000 left in the later bucket. That money now can be invested for growth. Now, yeah, with growth comes volatility, but guess what? If they know that they have 10, 12 years worth of living expenses in that middle bucket, they can stomach that short-term volatility in the later bucket. And over time, I believe stocks at 6% double every 12 years. So let's fast forward 12 years from now. They spent their money in their cash account, the 50 grand, that's gone. They bought their new car. They spent all the money at 1,000 a month for the next 10, 12 years in that soon bucket, that's all gone. And now in that later bucket where they started with $300,000, over a period of 12 years at 6%, the money doubled. And now they are 12 years later with 600,000 as opposed to 500,000. And they can start the process all over again. Now I'm oversimplifying it, but that's really the concept. Take your emotions out of your investing, invest for date and dollar specific goals and enjoy your life. It's really helpful, actually, to break it out like that rather than just viewing it as, okay, I have this big chunk. I've got to make this last, you know, the rest of my life. You know, how do we accomplish that and treating all of those dollars the same way? What you're describing with this bucket strategy is awesome. I mean, it's really neat to be able to see it that way and say, let's segment this out a little bit, break it down into smaller chunks that we can now treat differently to accomplish different goals. That's a neat illustration. Yeah, thank you. And the other thing, too, I want to make another point. You know, I talked earlier in the podcast or maybe at a previous podcast about market volatility. We haven't had a bear market in like 10 years. You know, the average bear is 30 percent decrease in your fair market value. Well, when that occurs under this process, not if it occurs, it will occur when the market goes down by 30 percent. We're looking at that later bucket, my clients and I, and we're asking ourselves this question. Hey, the money we have in that later bucket, some of that money's IRA money. Is it feasible to consider taking some of that IRA money and converting it to a Roth IRA and paying taxes, maybe at a 30% discount because the value of the account temporarily went down by 30%. So again, there's no right or wrong answer, but that's basically the power of a plan. You have options and you're not emotionally involved in your decision-making. 
So important to make sure you have all of those moving parts in your financial life addressed. And the bucket strategy that just was laid out for you there by Charles is certainly a very helpful way to make sure that you can address those different parts. And it's a really important part of the retirement planning process. As Charles said, though, you know, it's it's a boiled down version here on the show, something that we try to just make it a little bit easier to understand and to serve as a general guide for you. If you want to have this kind of review and analysis done on your own financial plan, Always worth it to come in and have a conversation about it. And you can get a complimentary review of your plan by meeting with Charles. Give him a call. 610-388-7705 is the number. 610-388-7705. You can also go online to cpweldygroup.com. That's cpweldygroup.com and get in touch via the website as well. That's the skinny for you on that buzzword, safe money. But don't go anywhere. There's more coming up on today's podcast. It's getting to know you time. This is a new segment we're debuting on the podcast. It's called Getting to Know You. And we think it's so important that Charles get to know you when you come in to meet for the first time. That's really a fact-finding mission. Charles is going to get to know all about you when you come into that meeting, your hopes, dreams, and goals for retirement. That's how you get to put together the best plan possible. We think it's important to work in the other direction as well, that you get to know your planner a little bit also. And so we're going to ask random questions to Charles each time here on the podcast. Some of them will be funny. Some of them will be goofy. Some of them will be serious and everywhere in between as we get to learn about your personality a little bit, Charles. And out of the hat, I've picked kind of uh, maybe a tough question for you for today's show to start off this new segment, but an interesting one too. When is the time in your life that you were the angriest and as a caveat, willing to share with us on the podcast? <laughs> maybe there's a time when you don't want to actually make that one public. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, I've been married. Well, oh, people don't know this on the podcast, but you know, I'm coming up on my 40th wedding anniversary. So I'll take a careful, I won't talk about careful, my, yeah, I won't talk about my <laughs> spouse. Right. But uh, one thing that comes to mind is a client of mine. I'll call him Bill. Right. Bill is in his eighties now. And maybe about five years ago, he's been a tax client for years. wasn't an investment client, but you know, I always wanted to bring him on as an investment client. And to make a long story short, I was doing his taxes one year and I noticed that he bought a million dollar annuity, a million dollar annuity from Ooh. a local bank. Wow. So the fact that we offer financial planning and we could help him in that regard, you know, I was very, very upset th figuring that, hey, I've done this guy's tax return over the past you know, 15, 20 years and uh, he didn't even give us an opportunity to sit down and see what we had to offer him. So I normally don't do this, <laughs> but I went to his house and he lives kind of near me on the way home and I knocked on his door and he answered the door and I said, Bill, I said, for the next three minutes, I'm going to yell and scream. I just got to get it out of my system. And you know, Walter, I don't know exactly what I said to him, but there were a couple of choice curse words and oh things goodness. of that nature. And basically, after about a minute or two, I basically told him how hurtful it was not to have an opportunity to help him, that he went to a bank and you know he didn't even have a relationship with them. And it cost our firm X amount of dollars and potential business. And you know we could have helped and served them a little bit better in the future. And then I did something that I knew I was going to do. I actually forgave him. I said, Bill, I'm going to forgive you. And the reason why I did that was um, I didn't want to carry that around with me for the rest of my life, number one. And number two, this gentleman had no other family members. His wife had passed away. He was somewhat depressed. 
He had no children and basically had like almost $2 million and nobody to share it with. And it was all going to go to a local university upon his demise. But to make a long story short, I forgave him. And now, believe it or not, I am his power of attorney. You know, I'm taking care of his health care. I think without forgiving him and forgiving myself, I probably wouldn't have been the person I am today. That anger turned into a labor of love because what I said to myself was, hey, here's a guy that has no one. He's in a nursing facility now. Obviously, he has the money to pay for it, but he has no one to look after him. And I'm basically his guardian angel. And, um, you know, uh, he always says, Charles, what can I do to, you know, give back to you? And I said, well, I'll call him Bill. I said, Bill, keep on praying for me. And I visit him maybe once every two weeks, and he's always praying for me. And business has been very good since that incident. So I kind of think, uh, I believe in karma, treat people the way you want to be treated. But I was so angry, Walter, that I just felt that I had to go to his house and really vocal my concerns to him. But immediately thereafter, when I got it out of my system, I kind of reverted to who I am, someone who cares deeply about other people. And I forgave him and I'll do my best to make sure that the remaining time he has here on earth, he's going to be taken care of with uh, dignity and, uh, you know, and love. It sounds like he'd kind of lost, you know, all the advocates. We all need advocates in our lives and he'd lost all of his advocates. And then that maybe led him to making that he got maybe got we don't have time maybe to get into all the specifics of why he got that annuity, but it sounds like maybe just obviously probably wasn't a very good decision for him. Maybe he got taken advantage of in the situation. Who knows, you know, what led to all of that decision-making, but just sounds like he didn't have somebody on his side to say, is this the wisest thing to do? And that's a really nice side benefit of working with a financial advisor, especially one who cares (laughs) is to have an additional advocate an an unbiased one. Yeah, I was going to say, I call him my best and my worst client. (laughs) (laughs) That's a really neat story. And I'm going to guess, though, that you're not showing up at clients' houses and yelling at them as often these days. That was an early on kind of thing. Yeah, that was an early on kind of thing. (laughs) And today, I just realized that, you know what, I have the ability to help people. Do they want my help? If so, hey, let's get started. If not, no harm, no foul. Next. You saw a good opportunity for some tough love there earlier on, though. Absolutely. Very neat. Well, thank you for sharing that story with us. It's really neat to get a uh, a peek into how sometimes these conversations do, you know, it'd be nice if they were all about butterflies and rainbows, Charles, but sometimes they're not, and they need to be a little bit tougher love and need to be direct and, you know, on some of these tough subjects, and we don't want to lose Absolutely. sight of that. So that's great. Well, that's getting to know Charles Weldy a little bit better, and now it's time for the mailbag. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. The mailbag is where we answer some of your questions on the program, and we've got a good one this week from Lou. And if you want to submit a question, by the way, do so at cpweldygroup.com. Lou says, I've always assumed that I'll be in a lower tax bracket in retirement, but now I'm questioning whether or not that's true. What do you normally see? So, yeah, that's a great question because we were always trained to put as much away in retirement accounts as possible while you're working. And then when you retire, you'll be in a lower tax bracket. But there's one big problem today. And that big problem is that all these baby boomers are starting to retire. They're coming off the payroll onto the entitlement rolls. 
And guess what? We have a math problem. There's not enough money to pay people what we thought we'd have to pay them for 25, 30 years in retirement. So what I see in my practice is I see that even though tax rates today are temporarily low, they're not going to be that way forever. They're actually going to go up. And they might not double it overnight, Walter. What they may do and what they're doing now is they're taking away certain itemized deductions. So most people, we just got done a tax season recently, and probably I think two-thirds of the people did not itemize because the standard deduction went way up. Yeah. So there's a, there's a modified tax increase by taking away certain deductions. We find that when spouses are married and one predeceases the other, the surviving spouse now is filing a single. He or she's in a higher tax bracket filing a single as they were opposed to where, as they were when they were filing a joint return. So I guess the quick answer to that question is that taxes are most likely going to be much higher in the future than they are today because the government needs to look at the low-hanging fruit, which I define as your IRA money, to take that money and tax it at higher rates in order to redirect that money to the Medicare programs, to the Social Security benefits, and to the promises that they've made to a lot of us during our lifetime. It's unsustainable unless they get that money from higher taxes. So in a nutshell, you know, beware. They're even doing it today. They're means testing your Medicare, which means that they're looking at the total income on your tax return. And based upon what that number is on line 10, your taxable income, they're adjusting your Medicare premium upward. They figure if you have high income, you can afford a higher Medicare premium payment. So it's happening today. They're called stealth taxes. You don't see them right away when you look at the newspaper, but you know that they're there because all of a sudden you're paying a little bit higher taxes on pretty much the same income. So if somebody's putting together a financial plan and they're not accounting for the same tax bracket in the future, and they're kind of relying on this you know, lower tax bracket idea to make the retirement plan work, it sounds like that should be kind of a red flag. Absolutely. I mean, younger people should really ask their employer if they offer Roth 401ks, where you're paying the tax on the money before you're putting the money in the plan. And the benefit is later when you take the money out, not only the money that you put in, but all the growth of that money is now coming out tax-free. That's the new way of investing for younger people. And even older people, they'll be smart to look at the tax code over the next five to six to seven years and maybe redirect some of their qualified tax deferred money and shift it into tax-free lifetime income. You know, so that's that's really the opportunity I see in my practice. And I think a lot of financial planners are, you know, seeing that too, is how can you create a rising tax-free lifetime income for people? Because that's going to be the the gold over the next 15, 25 years. If you've got questions like this for Charles, ask them, please. And you can get answers to those questions. 610-388-7705 is your number to call to reach Charles. That's 610-388-7705. You can talk one-on-one with Charles at CP Weldy Group. Come into the office, have a conversation about what's going on in your financial life, how to fix some of the ailments that might be bothering you when it comes to your financial future, give you a little bit more confidence 
confidence and peace of mind to work with going forward. You can also find out great information, listen to past episodes of the show. CPWeldyGroup.com is the place to go to do all that. Just look for the link that says podcast, CPWeldyGroup.com. Again, your place to check out. Charles, thanks for all the help on today's podcast. Lots of fun, and we'll do it again soon. Thank you, Walter. All right. For Charles, I'm Walter. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us here on Reengineering Your Finances. Financial planning and advisory services are offered through Prosperity Capital Advisors, PCA, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Registration as an investment advisor does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The CP Weldy Group and PCA are separate, non-affiliated entities. PCA does not provide tax or legal advice.